call the meeting to order. Uh, this is the City Council University Heights special meeting, February 21st, 2023. The meeting is being conducted uh, electronically and um, uh, all five council are present. And do we have members of the public yet? No. Okay. Oh, no. Alejandro is just coming in. Okay. Well, I'm thinking that uh, comments from the public can be during the session if anyone would like to speak. Um, what I want to do is it's, uh, I want everyone to meet each other and it's kind of difficult on Zoom because no one knows when to speak. <laughs> so I'll just call council's first name and then they can identify themselves. Uh, Steph? Hi. Uh, you can say Stephanie Gone, City Council. <laughs> okay, Stephanie Gone, City Council member. Thank you. Uh, Lisa. Lisa Moore, Council member. Uh, Tim. Tim Schroeder, Council member. Thank you, Tim. Bobby. Bobby Scott, Council member. And Doug. Doug Swales, City Council member. Okay, and then we'll introduce staff and uh, Mike. Uh, Mike Haverkamp was speaking. He usually just goes off screen during this, and I think you all met him. And then we have uh, Steve. I'm Steve Ballard, city attorney. And uh, Troy. Troy Kelsey, police chief. Okay, very good. And uh, I, initially, you know, I spoke with uh, uh, the school board director, Lisa Williams, and Stephanie gone. She spoke with both Stephanie and I, and she wanted to set up a meeting. And so, Lisa, I'll have you introduce your people that are attending. Um, Mayor Fromm, <clears throat> thank you everyone for making time to meet with us today. I know it's budget season and it's hectic. Um, I'm Lisa Williams. I'm the vice president of the school board. Uh, with me is Molly Abraham. She's a director on the school board. Charlie Easton, he's a director on the school board. And then Superintendent Degner. Uh, and then I thought I saw Deb. And then Deb Scott, who is uh, assistant director of our uh, special ed and preschool division and we are really excited to be able to uh, talk to you about preschool tonight. Great. Okay, everyone met. So uh, who uh, who would like to start with uh, the discussion of what your idea is with using local option sales tax? So I think we've got a quick slide deck that I'd, I'd turn it over to Superintendent Degner and um, Deb to run through and kind of walk you through the presentation. And then we've got time for questions. I was gonna, you guys stole my joke, my thunder. I was gonna say no questions about the weather tomorrow and whether or not- <laughs> I just, I just headed it off, Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> I know everybody has questions about it, so yeah. yeah. But if that's okay with you all, that's how we'd like to proceed. Very good. Okay, uh, Superintendent Degner. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. I appreciate you having us here this evening and uh, making some uh, some time uh, for this conversation. Um, I'll just apologize in the background. I have one that thinks she's going to be a future Hawkeye and who knows, maybe she will be. But if you hear the basketball bouncing in the background, that's what we have going on upstairs. So it's a little <laughs> loud, at least in my ears. But um, 
what we really wanted to spend some time talking to you about this evening is just opportunity to expand preschool and look for a partnership between the district and our municipalities to do so. Uh, we did spend time at the joint entities meeting talking a lot about lost. Um, and Director Williams earlier when we were meeting with the city of Iowa City tonight talked about, you know, we don't like to bring a problem without a potential solution. And the lost is one solution uh, for a funding mechanism uh, to create an opportunity to support this, but we're certainly not tied to that and open to any and all, you know, options for that. What we're really looking for is some help to be able to uh, scale this up the way we would like. Um, if you're not familiar with Iowa School of Funding around preschool, what districts can receive is really a half-time waiting, which means we get half the per-pupil funding for a student, which again equates to then we provide them a half-day experience. Um, that's not real workable for most families uh, to drop off their student in the middle of the day, uh, whether it's for the afternoon session or for a morning session. And so uh, for that to be more accessible to the folks that we're not reaching, what we'd really like to do is have a full day option and uh, still do uh, half a pre you know half a day of preschool and then provide wrap care for uh, families that cannot afford that typically um, in a no cost fashion for them. Other families would still pay, uh, but for our FRL families, uh, this would be a model that would allow us to provide a free full day experience uh, for the students. And so uh, I'm going to start with a piece of data and just display that on the screen here in a minute. And then Deb's going to uh, work through kind of just our slide deck and some of the logistical and the numbers and the math uh, behind this. And then we'll really just open it up to questions or conversation that you guys uh, have from there about the idea or about the potential uh, partnership. So the first um, thing I wanted to share this evening is really this is just a data uh, piece or a proof point about why preschool matters. Um, you can tell our students um, that have had a preschool experience and uh, their, their achievement levels here, according to our FastBridge math data. And if you look at this, you see those achievement levels in the 70s and then up to 80% um, in grade six. And those without a preschool offering, uh, you see hover around in the 50% in the there. And so we know this matters. Uh, we know the gap doesn't close uh, too typically. If anything, it widens um, as we progress through the system, even into 712. And then uh, if you're familiar with research around preschool data, you know that it informs anything from economic success in the community to our school to prison pipeline uh, when um, you look at, at those statistics as well and what happens to our adults later in life. And so it really does start early. And we believe in our preschool offering and what we can expand and the success of that uh, and really the attempt to reach all kids because that's what we're about in public education is making sure that everybody has that experience and that um, that we should be able to provide that that option to families. And so I think that that chart just kind of does a nice uh, quick share of, you know, just the substantial impact of being able to have access to preschool and the difference that it makes. Um, so with that, then I'm going to share my screen because I think Deb was having some problems with that. So I'm going to share again. Um, and this time it'll be the uh, slide deck that we'll work through. And like I said, Deb will talk about kind of numbers of current kids we serve in preschool kids that have no preschool experience, how we'd like to scale up that, and then really what the ask is or the reason we're meeting with you guys uh, here this evening. So Deb, with that, I'll let you kind of jump in here and you just tell me when you want me to click different times. Thank you. We can go, yeah, we can go to the next yep. slide and get started. 
All right, as Mr. Degner shared, we're going to go over our current state, our desired state, and then the numbers um, that we wanted you to consider tonight, or at least have in front of you tonight. So if we wanna to go to the next slide. This is our current state. And as we have shared, there are 18 preschools right now in 21 of our elementary buildings. We have 29 total sessions. 18 of those are in the morning and 11 are in the afternoon. If you look at bullet four, you will see that we do have pilot sites for what is called our wrap care. And our wrap care sites are Shimmick Hills and Wickham at this time. And that is where students are, parents are able to on a tuition basis or through childcare assistance, um, have their child stay for the full day. So we they have half a day of preschool, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon, and then the rest of that is wrap care or daycare um, for a full day experience. The second bullet really shows you what it means to be at half day and gives you some detail with the times. Transportation currently is provided to and from school by, family, by families, unless that is specified in an IEP that they will receive, that the child will receive transportation. The fifth bullet is an important piece of information that we, we gather every year and ask our families, did your child have a preschool experience anywhere? And in the last school year, we found that by self-report, 280 students did not have access to preschool anywhere as they entered one of our kindergartners, kindergarten classes. So we can go to the next slide. Yeah, and one thing I might add, because I did take it from the top, but Deb did a nice job of pointing that out there about those pilot sites. A question that maybe I'll just head off here. You might say, well, why don't you guys just do more of the pilot sites if you're doing those? And really the math for us becomes difficult on that. The budget doesn't work. And it's uh, it's something that we're worried about being able to sustain. The model right now is basically the pay families subsidize the families that can't pay or they use that child care assistance uh, funding uh, for the wrap care. And it's just really not a sustainable model for us. And as we enter what is even going to be a more choice heavy scenario for families and, and some uncertainty around ed savings accounts and what that's going to mean to the district, it's really not something financially viable uh, for us to continue and to bank on in that fashion. So thanks for touching on that one, Deb, because I kind of left that off the beginning um, about why we're concerned about uh, just the viability of those pilot sites um, if we don't have some additional assistance. And the next slide is a bit more about who we currently serve. There are 475 preschool eligible students that we are serving in our preschools. We also partner and serve 114 preschool eligible students in our affiliated partnerships. The 2022-23 kindergarten enrollment was 1,035. This is our desired state. We would like to uh, provide quality preschool offerings throughout the district to serve the maximum number of children and provide ease of access to families. We would also like high quality childcare options to increase that access again, to preschool offerings and continue to pursue funding option opportunities to provide childcare access for all Iowa City families who qualify for free and reduced lunch. And as always, we will manage operational costs regarding preschool services. 
These are some assumptions that our team made as we looked to achieve our desired state. The cost is based on an assumption of one preschool classroom in each elementary building. So that is 21, all of a, all 21 schools. Each elementary class will have an AM and a PM session. That's 42 sessions entire in, the, in total. Each classroom will have wrap care that is available via tuition for all and free for our free and reduced lunch families. Transportation provided to eligible students as well. So this is going to give you a picture of some of the numbers that we're talking about. The first, sorry, did somebody have, I'm sorry, Matt, I thought I heard you saying something. Um, the first column is just the funding sources. And I'll let, give you a moment to read that. As you move to the next column, there was some work done by the team to establish a conservative enrollment. A conservative enrollment would be 26 students per site. That was really based on some historical averages before COVID of what we saw in our preschools. And that was determined that 26 per site would be a conservative enrollment. Of course, the maximum enrollment that we could accept into an AM session and a PM session would be 40 total students, 20 and 20. You can see here the total cost difference, whether we go with conservative enrollment or the maximum enrollment. The next line is the district contribution. Then there's special education costs. And I would point out that we have asterisks by that because that can vary from year to year, depending on how many students are eligible for special education services. Then we touched on funding from the state. That's based on a per pupil cost that is determined by the state. And then we are looking for our municipalities to contribute that bottom line number. Moving on, when you get asked or when you have to contemplate what really goes into uh, a quality preschool, what type of staffing would we need? We feel if we expand our preschools um, in the manner that we are suggesting, we would need two lead support teachers. There's one at this time covering our preschools. Early childhood associate costs would be based on IEP needs, preschool secretary, uh, preschool IDS, that is an instructional design specialist. Those are those people that have been in our schools for some times that support teachers on the use of curriculum, good instruction, and preschool IDS would be focused on the best instructional strategies for early childhood. Instructional materials, um, supplemental instructional materials. There again, you see transportation costs would be um, a piece of the total. And again, I will let you kind of look at those total costs and look at this chart for just a moment. And then we can go to the next slide. And this continues, if we were to expand, we would need 21 early childhood teachers, 21 associates, because that is the state ratio mandate. We would feel that we would need a preschool administrator designated to this work. Again, you have snack costs, instructional material costs. Um, here is the line that we would like you to really look at tonight because the supplemental assistance to help all of our families 
um, be eligible or receive that wrap care. That is what that number is about. Again, we have listed the transportation um, and our district contribution. And keeping in mind that that middle column is the conservative enrollment, the last column is full enrollment. And you can see the numbers up there again for your information. As we go to the next slide, then we begin to break down information that we know now by municipality and also worked hard, the team worked hard on trying to establish for the municipalities some idea of what this means to them financially. Enrollment rate, in this case, we looked solely at this last school year. And for your purposes tonight, University Heights column is there next to the last column. There weren't any students that were in the University Heights catchment this year. That doesn't mean there haven't been in the past. Um, and again, we have a big asterisk there because this varies from year to year. So you can see the average percent enrollment over six years for University Heights. You can also see our team's attempt to kind of talk about a locked rate of revenue that we would need from each municipality. We also present to you a cost by student rate and what that looks like over time. And I realize this is a lot to take in. So I don't know, I miss, uh, when we've done this before, we just keep going and we can keep going and to come back to these slides at any time. So I think we will go to the next slide. The key takeaways really for our reason to present tonight and at other times is that we all believe that students deserve a, the benefit of a high quality preschool services. Students deserve to have their basic needs met, things and including things such as food, safe learning space, trusted adult. Students who are eligible for free and reduced lunch would have access to all of those services to include lunch, wrap care, transportation at no cost to the family. Um, families who do not have free and reduced lunch will still have access to preschool with wrap care for a cost. And I think we are now on the question slide. And one point I just like to draw in before you guys open up to questions is what Deb was talking about on this line with the supplemental assistance for wrap care. If you notice that almost mirrors the um, ask that we're making of the municipals. And so really we feel like that's what the request is for is that, you know, for us to be able to stand up the, the wrap care to make this a full day option uh, for our families that are on FRL status uh, so they can have that experience free. Um, you notice that number uh, based on full enrollment there matches that 1660 number that's presented at first to get us up and going. It's not quite fully realized here, but it does uh, get there on the full enrollment. So that's really um, kind of the, I guess, the talking point, if you will, about why we're making the request and the help we would need to be able to do that. So like Deb said, with that, we're 
happy to answer any questions or go back and review any information that would be helpful. Maybe you could go back to the, there's a few, maybe a couple slides previous, or maybe it was after, I don't know, but what was basically, I see what you're wanting funding for a preschool. The big, big picture ask is from University Heights is what, and do you even have the specific, or was it just a couple of different options? Yeah, and I think that's a great question, Bobby, and the part of even when we just talked to Iowa City about this a couple hours ago, I think what we would need to do as a next step is um, continue some conversation with the municipalities to know which of these funding models is the one we would want to try to go with, because uh, here, if it's based off current enrollment, we know that's probably going to change, because um, this is just the current year, 22, 23 um, if it's a percentage, then you can see how that share breaks down or if we would do a per pupil kind of cost and what that would look like. Deb talked about trying to lock in a rate for a period of time uh, so you could plan and uh, make your budget viable for a number of years. Maybe there's an incremental increase uh, that would be agreed on to on a yearly basis. Um, the ask from University Heights is fairly low just from the number of students in the in the catchment area, as you can tell, compared to maybe our big three, North Liberty, Coralville, and Iowa City, and what we're asking of them. Um, and so the commitment would, I, I think for you guys, the thing to think about is, you know, being a part of that collective commitment um, to be a piece of this, um, knowing, you know, and then you're having to answer the question around the funding source, I guess, is where would you find those funds? And at the joint entities meeting, we talked about a potential funding source for that, but maybe that makes sense for University Heights and maybe it doesn't. That's that's your guys' purview on that piece, but I hope that kind of addressed your question. Yep, that's great. How would the schools have room for the fourth four-year-olds? Yeah, great question. So in the fall of 24, we're actually moving all sixth graders to our junior highs. We're in the process of additions at our junior highs to create middle schools. And so we really believe that um, by the sixth graders uh, not being on those campuses, that space will be uh, freed up to, to handle preschool sections and uh, classrooms and students. So um, that's really the, the opportunity for us to do this. So it's it's been a shared board goal uh, for a number of years. And as we've uh, talked about middle school. We definitely talked about preschool and being able to expand preschool uh, during that time with an opportunity to do that on the sites because of that move. Oh, I know sometimes we can get like too much in the weeds talking about like IDS and all of these school acronyms, which even after three years on the board are really still new to me. Um, the big picture here is what I'm really excited about is that we're talking about a universal preschool experience for every single person that lives in, in the Iowa City Community School District. And um, to do that, is gonna require the help from the municipalities. And you guys can see on that slide deck that University Heights and the county kind of have the smallest parts to play here, but we still think that it's a really important part. Um, just because we don't have any students from University Heights this year, doesn't mean that we don't have uh, kids from municipality that attend our preschool program. In fact, I think some of our city council, your city council members have sent their kids through ICCSD um, preschool at joint entity, but we also know that while um, asking you all for maybe $9,000 a year 
seems like a small amount for Iowa City, $9,000 a year could be a huge amount for your budget because you guys are obviously very different um, in size and scope than some of our other municipality partners. And that's where we wanted to come with the idea of um, using LOST as a vehicle to provide the funding to support the preschool program. Um, and that's the local option sales tax. It's not a part of the presentation that you just saw um, because um, maybe you would tell us, hey, Lisa, Matt, ICCSD, law sounds really hard to pass. If all you need is $8,000, we can find that in our budget without jumping through all these hoops. But we didn't want to kind of come hat in hand without a solution of how to fund it. Um, and that's where the lost comes in. Normally as staff, I stay very much in the background, but as a former former teacher in Iowa City with 33 years experience and both of my kids attending preschools in the district from age eight weeks on, I, I want to throw in my personal endorsement of doing this. I think that offering four-year-old preschool universally is a great idea and as FRL, as I fall right into the acronym game, free and reduced lunch, free and reduced lunch numbers within the district have have steadily increased over the last thirty years. And as you can see from that initial slide, having those experiences early in the game makes a huge difference. So I will tell the school district folks. Back when we passed Lost back for the flood in 2009, University Heights, I believe, voted yes at a rate of about 80%. And that's because we get to collect the tax, but there's nowhere in town that actually has to charge it because we don't have any place that, well, we do now with, with Sidekick selling books, but otherwise most of our businesses are restaurants now. So I think I think if the it's still the case that it's a countywide vote but it's collected by area we would we could help to push a countywide number higher um but if it doesn't fail but if it doesn't pass someplace else we're, we're not going to help with that but but that's the way our voters have been in the past so Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the, you know, personal experience you've got with the district and with your own kids uh, in there and um, and some of the uh, history on the on the lost piece, too. And um, I know kind of when other councils have asked us next steps, I think the, you know, the big next step is to know really from each of you as your own entities, if you support the idea um, and then depending on what funding mechanism you would consider that obviously creates some different time constraints. Uh, around uh, what your next step would be. But, um, you know, from from the counselor's perspective, if um, you have a conversation around this and decide this is something that you are supportive of and you'd want to be a part of um, with the other municipalities, um, I think the date we'd kind of told Iowa City there was April 1st is when we'd look for that and then try to 
um, do some more logistical planning, right? There's still a lot of details that would have to be figured out. This slide that I'm currently displaying uh, would take some work to know, you know, what is the model we'd use between uh, all the different municipalities to, to have a share in this? And then how is each of you going to determine the funding source? And those could look different, right, for different groups. I don't think that has to be uh, the same or necessarily that we're pushing that that's the same. But um, if you have in mind, you know, the question of what would be the next step, I, I think that's the way we would uh, kind of point you in. Lisa, I don't know if you have anything you'd expand on that. I think that kind of covers how we answered it earlier today. Yeah. Um, no, I think that was a really good, good summary. I mean, the next step is that we're asking is for the various municipalities to have an up or down vote to say, yes, this is something that we want to support and move forward with. Um, if you did say that, if, if, if you're a no, then, then we will thank you for the time tonight. Uh, but if you were a yes, then the next step would be to kind of get the city managers folks together and really talk about that slide that's up on the screen. This slide really confused me like the first eight times I saw it. But each of those rows are three different budget options. And they all result in the $1.6 million to fund the program. It's just different ways of getting to it. And why the school district doesn't really care which of those funding um, options are ultimately decided on, they do have to be consistent. So we couldn't have Iowa City picking you know, row one and North Liberty picking row two and the county and University Heights picking row three, if that makes sense. And so there would have to be some work to get the city, the city folks in a room together and say, okay, which one of these um, funding models is the one that we would want to go back to our counselors and recommend as the overall um, wisest one to adopt going forward. And so they would come back and put that in front of you and there'd be more firm decisions in the future. Uh, but what we're just really interested in is, is, is this a conversation that you're, you're willing to continue to have, a concept that you're willing to support, and, and do you want to um, continue the work with us on it? And that doesn't have to be tonight. Like Matt said, we're looking for about an April 1st deadline for that. What if some city doesn't want to contribute? So, yeah, that's a great question. We've gotten that one too. Um, and I think really for that, then it, um, then the formula changes, right? Then the math changes. This is all kind of based on everybody working together. Um, and, you know, if we weren't going to provide, you know, um, if we weren't going to receive funding from University Heights or from Iowa City, uh, then we would kind of have to reevaluate um, the numbers on this and bring back proposals for those that did want to support it to see what we could do. It does become more complex uh, because, as you guys know, our uh, attendance areas for our elementary schools do not line up cleanly with our municipal um, city limits uh, by any means. And so um, that would be more complicated, but I also don't think it would um, impede our progress. We'd still like to move forward as much as we can about extend, expanding uh, full day preschool offerings for kids that need it. And so uh, it wouldn't stop us, um, but it, it would change the equation um, that is uh, in front of you here tonight about what that would look like and what we would do. But I don't want you to hear from that, that for example, if Iowa City decided not to participate, that we'd be seeking to redistribute their $1 million 
contribution between all of the remaining five municipalities and that you yeah no that wouldn't be doable no that's not doable and that's not what would happen yeah the 1.6 number would change right we wouldn't be asking for a collective 1.6 we'd be scaling down what we would have to provide because right now it's based off of a and a preschool site everywhere. So the whole formula would change from that aspect a little bit. Lisa's right, yeah, we wouldn't be coming with the same overall request. Yeah, and and the other thing that's important to understand about the request from the municipalities is we're using it to primarily provide free wraparound daycare for our um, free and reduced school lunch kids, as well as transportation for a free and reduced school lunch kids. <clears throat> So again, if a municipality chooses not to participate, like such as North Liberty, then when Matt says we're going to redesign and rescale the program, what that means is maybe families in North Liberty who don't qualify for free and reduced school lunch, they don't have a free preschool option. But that doesn't mean that families in Corville or University Heights who qualify would also be denied that option. That just means that we're going to concentrate and focus where we provide those wraparound sites um, with the um, uh, subsidized tuition. Other questions we can answer for you? Does anybody have any other questions? I mean, what if you decide to use local option sales tax? and you put it on the ballot in November and it doesn't pass. Sure, well, in my opinion- That's happened in Johnson County where a city did not pass it and they didn't participate in it. Right, then I I think, you know, we, we, there would be a couple of things to look at, uh, Mayor Fromm. I think you would, um, then you would, you guys would have to ask yourself internally, you know, is there a different funding source that we'd want to try to support this with? And if not, then I think we'd really be talking about what, you know, kind of that conversation that we just buttoned up there, or the question we just provided, then if, you know, if that was going to prevent the municipality from participating, then, then we would run that out, just like we had talked about, or you could say, okay, well, we tried this, this didn't work, but here's our, our next step or our plan B that we would use to support this. I see. Okay. So, but what about, this is Steve Ballard, I'm the city attorney, so I don't, I don't have much to say about any of this, but I do have a question because the last time there was a, a local option sales tax uh, ballot issue, if I remember correctly, the uh, city of University Heights approved it. And I think the city of Iowa City approved it, but I'm pretty sure the city of Coralville did not. They did and not. Do I have that right, Mayor? Yes. Yeah. And so so then it was enacted and collected in Iowa City and in University Heights, but not in Coralville. And, you know, in, in that instance, you know, I, I think that the, that the local option sales tax uh, provided a revenue source for, uh, for uh, municipalities. In this instance, if the revenue source was uh, earmarked or geared toward uh, the ICCSD proposal and it passed in some places and didn't pass in others, Guess I'm having trouble figuring out if it gets implemented in those places where it passes and the places that didn't pass, did they already make a commitment and are they going to have to make up funding somewhere else or how's all that, how's all that work? Yeah. So the, 
Lisa, you want to maybe just try to say it a little different way? Yeah. So Steve, you, you hit on the two options, right? So say the municipality, the lost fails, but they still want to support the program. They have the choice to find another revenue stream in, in their existing budget to, to, provide their contribution. And then we can stand it up. Because again, ICCSD isn't wed to where the money comes from. We just know that we need the money to provide the programming. And then if they decide we don't have, you know, it's Corville, we don't have $250,000 in our budget to provide for this, so we can't participate. Then what we as a district do, because that money is really targeted towards wraparound care and transportation for our low-income families, we just won't be able to provide that benefit to low-income families residing in the non-participating jurisdictions. So we won't, so a a student that may attend Coralville Central wouldn't have access to this all-day preschool experience for free. Now we'll still have the half-day preschool And we'll probably still have a full wrap offered, a full day of daycare, but that's going to be solely tuition-based and only accessible to families who can pay for that full day of tuition. The the contribution from the municipalities is really subsidizing that full day experience for families that cannot afford it. Well, you have open enrollment, so um, I can't go to Coralville Central, so I'll open enroll to some other school that I can attend. I don't know. I'm just yeah, trying so to figure this out a little bit. This gets into some more district terminology. So um, transfers, um, I think transfers logistically would have to talk about what that looks like. We have a current elementary transfer policy, and that's really what you, I think you're asking, Mayor, from, from inside the district. Uh, what that looks like if a you know family was zoned to Corville Central, but they wanted to attend Hoover on the east side of town, just to use an extreme example, right? Then we would use our transfer guidelines to even first find if that's allowable. Then I think we'd have to work through the logistical conversation about making the funding work. I think the the beauty for the municipalities at that is if they all support it and they all give a funding stream, that's just a problem for us to, you know, that's just then back to us on the logistic end with the transfer and dealing with that family. The money's already in place. The opportunities are there. We provide it to kids. We just need to work through our transfer options. The second ter- or the term you used around open enrollment, for us, that means kids coming from outside of the Iowa City Community School District. And for preschool students, that's not allowable. Um, so we wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have the concern about a student coming from um, Williamsburg to access our free preschool uh, based on the money that, that you guys um, put forward. I'm not up on the latest terminology. I just no, that's all right. We still mix talk. them up in here too, so you're all right. That's just a distinction we try to. Thank draw. you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, does council have any more questions? Does staff have any questions? Um, I think it's going to take some time to digest some of this, and uh, with an April first deadline that you'd like to get a response. Um, We do have quite a few meetings in March because of budget. And so um, we might need to, who, who would I connect to to talk to somebody if we need more information? 
you can just reach out to me, Mayor Fromm, and okay. get the either the answers to you, or we'd be happy yeah. to come again if we needed to, to talk about it some more or provide some additional detail for sure. I think we might have to do that. Now, I have a member of the public here. Alejandro, would you like to speak at all? Do you have a question? Or are you just are interested in listening? I mean, I know you're on mute, but um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity if you wanted to ask a question. Thank you very much. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Um, uh, 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 thank you for giving me a chance. Uh, I'm, I'm here just as a fly on the wall, I guess, just trying to get informed on, uh, um, on what's going on with the city. So uh, um, uh, thank you for letting me attend. I don't have any questions. I think my questions were asked or uh, answered already. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you. Uh, another, uh, if we don't have any questions, can we move to the second agenda item, which is update on Horn School edition. You bet we can. Let's see here. I need to get back to this. I mean, this is good timing for that. We're just starting yep. to get plans. And uh, yeah, so um, I'll just take this one away, uh, Mayor Brom. And um, on Friday, well, actually tomorrow, Kim will probably upload our board packet in, in Appendix 9. Um, this week, you should see um, the um, a plan we're putting forward around Horn as far as the financials in the Appendix 9, but you won't see it yet until probably Friday or Monday because we're doing the bid opening uh, for Horn on Friday, which is uh, exciting uh, always to do that. And so we're looking forward to doing that, but it'll be added to the Appendix 9 documents a little later. So if you are work looking for it in our board packet, uh, you'll find it a couple days late because that bid opening is actually happening on Friday. Um, but what I wanted to show you was just a piece of the report that we delivered to the board around our second uh, facility master plan and FMP 2.0 update. And it just has a um, slide in here uh, that does speak to Horn uh, specifically. And it talks about uh, Horn being out to bid and what's gonna be included in that project. And so we're excited for this. We know Horn is really uh, pressed on size right now. Its enrollment has grown and as we've done attendance area development, uh, there's been a number of students zoned to that school. And so um, what is out to bid and what we'll be opening on Friday is a four uh, kindergarten classroom addition, a uh, new cafeteria and kitchen, uh, two preschool classrooms. So very relevant to the conversation we're having tonight, uh, converting the existing multi-purpose room into a new media center. Uh, if you've been to Horn, you know that that's right in the kind of the middle of the school. So that's a little different layout and one that we don't necessarily prefer uh, anymore. Uh, renovated music and band rooms, uh, something exciting the district's been able to do is put elementary uh, music and band, or specifically band orchestra, um, at our elementary buildings rather than having to travel to a, a different site. And that's really increased participation and, and also our diverse participation in those programs. And so, but they need bigger spaces. Um, they're using kind of some existing spaces right now, and those are really cramped. And then new special education classrooms in the existing media center. So uh, while moving that media center, then we'll turn those into classrooms in that spot. Um, and so some exciting renovations there for Horn and uh, some that are long overdue, but we're happy to get that project out to bid. And uh, we're hopeful with what we've been seeing with bids lately um, that that'll come in uh, in a good shape for us and we'll be able to take on all these projects. So. Um, that's really the information I wanted to share with you about where we're at in that process as far as timeline goes, and then also uh, what some of the things you can expect are. 
of the timelines. So this starts when school is out. No, it starts before that, right? Because it's a building, another building, right? Yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll do what we can even when students are in the building. So once we accept the bid and um, agree that you know we're going to move forward with a, a specific contractor, then we will start working where we can. Of course, um, you know we always have the philosophy of not trying to, of course, interrupt uh, the school day. Sometimes our that means our staff and students have to be super flexible, which they've been, and we move them to different parts of the building, but. Uh, we haven't missed a day of school due to construction through these two plans, and we don't intend to. And so uh, we just begin where we can. But yeah, that'll start yet in 23. And when are you planning on finishing it? Or you don't know that exactly, but. Yeah, I wouldn't want to quote that to you exactly. Um, <laughs> I know that's um, dangerous now. <laughs> yeah, about where we'd at. I, I'm sure Dwayne, if he was here, he would give you a timeline of when he hopes to have it done. Uh, but depending on the contractor, sometimes that without knowing the contractor that has been awarded the bid yet, uh, they'll they'll give us a better timeline once they've accepted the project and and we've accepted their I bid see. and can project that out. Okay. Are there any questions about the uh, addition to Horn? Yeah. Uh, this is Doug Swail, City Council Member. Hey, Matt, is this uh, bid bidding? Uh, is it open to out of state bidders as well, or just for? Iowa only bidders for contracting. I believe um, we do consider out-of-state bidders. Generally, they don't take our projects just because of the expense of travel and being able to find local subs. Um, but I do believe it's open to out-of-state bidders. We've had some bids come in that way. Okay. Well, I, I'd like to see it stay in Iowa, especially if we're asking for local sales tax help. I'd like to see the contractors come from Iowa myself. Yep. And we do too. And and the, the good news is usually those out-of-state ones are way above um, the, the price on that for um, competitive bid process in Iowa. I mean, the, the school districts are pretty compelled to take the lowest bid, uh, usually unless there's something that's missing from that bid. And so uh, out-of-state contractors really have a hard time competing with that anyways. But we'd agree with you as well for all of those reasons. And, and it supports jobs in our own community. And uh, it's, yeah. just a better, it's just a better way to approach it. Well, exactly. The money stays in our communities. Yep. Are there any other questions? Okay, I want to thank uh, everyone, school board members and uh, Matt and Deb. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm starting to think of some more questions, but... <laughs> uh, I think it'll be good to start discussion with the council and see where, where we are and where we need to go. And we'll have some time to think about it a little bit too, especially because we're looking at the budget right now. Um, but anyway, um, I'm, uh, well, we have some city business to take care of some payment of bills. And so, you, you're free to stay. It's all, <laughs> but anyway, we'll go uh, watch that basketball mayor. From. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, I will. Um, the last thing I was going to say is I'll send that uh, presentation to Mike. I know we just displayed it here tonight, but Mike, if that's okay, if I send it over to you, then you guys will have that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that yeah. As you guys do some follow-up. You can yep, that's great. And I have a, I have the bid sheets and the, a set of the plans that were here in the city office that just got dropped off too. Oh, and the counselors all got the early site plans. Awesome. Not great.
It's a nice small town. It's easy to walk it to their doors. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thank, thank you, guys. We appreciate thank it. You. Thank, thank you. you. Yep. Okay. So next we have payment of the bills. And Lori sent five warrants. Uh, the visa, you, you, I think you all got the email. <clears throat> and specifically, the visa is 91734, Johnson County Refuse, 6808. Uh, Cron... Cronloggy and Olson's 86840, U.S. Cellulars 8437, and AT&T Mobility is 28889. Is there any objection to paying these bills? Hearing none, the bills will be paid by unanimous consent. Um, okay, so our next council meeting is March 7th, the public hearing. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that we start talking about this um, March 14th at our regular council meeting. I'll put it on the agenda and that way um, uh, you can think about it some and um, Bobby and I and Steve Cool will look at the budget too and, um, and, and check, you know, get more information. We'll have more details then too. We've got to, we've got to uh, work out raises and things. And um, there are some increases on some um, uh, contracts. So we need to look at all of that. Does, um, does anybody want to say anything, add anything? The only thing I was going to jump in to add. Yes. Uh, is that I uh, got an email from Tara Higgins at Johnson County today. House uh, Senate Bill 181 oh. was signed today, yes. which was the one about the residential rollback, which means Tara will start recalculating all the assessments and valuations, which is going to affect our budget. Um, because that was signed in today, I, I believe we are going to have to move to that April date for budget submission because this is the this is what's fixing the rollback. So we could be meeting a lot in March and in April. So <laughs> uh, hopefully they won't be long meetings. Um, are there any other announcements? Is there any objection to adjournment? Hearing none, the meeting is adjourned by unanimous consent. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank Go you. Hawks. <laughs>